0: Hey everyone, it's Bree, and I'm here with Len and my friend, Ami. Well, I call him Ami. What's your full name, Ami? Ami Tai. Ami Tai.
1: But I go by Ami. The only person who calls me Ami Tai is like, my dad, when he used to be pissed off at me, would call me that, you know? But I don't really know that anyone else does, so we can just go with Ami. It's cool.
0: Well, we won't get pissed off at you. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> don't say that you might no
0: never uh-uh never you
1: never know you never know where podcasts can go i write i like listening to kind of uncomfortable podcasts sometimes i listen to a lot of mark marin you know and um every once in a while he'll have someone on who's usually like a friend of his and then it'll just like go off the rails a little bit you know most of the time it's like ah, you know then it's like he had some friends who he'd been friends with for a long time and kind of like a friend of me. And there was just a lot of like getting into some dark stuff there between them and it was really uncomfortable, but you know. And then the time he interviewed Gallagher, it went that way too. So it's kinda like a couple different uh it's kind of fun sometimes. So it might happen, you know? It's starting <laughs> off nicely, but we never know it could go.
0: That's right. Well I feel like I feel like we have to hang out more so I can learn the deep dark secrets and then we can do that. Okay. Uh, Len, did you say hi? Say hi, Len.
2: I did. Hi, didn't I? Oh, maybe I didn't. I don't remember. Hi, everyone. <laughs> hey, Len. It's really lovely to have you here, and um, I'm excited about today. Me too. Me too. It's weird meeting people um, in the middle of a podcast, isn't it? <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: So so I invited Ami to come on, and we'll tell you about what we're doing in a minute, uh, but this is the first time he and Len have met, and so... You know,
2: such is
1: life. <laughs> Maybe Len could fly in for uh, Design Ranch next time. That was a good time.
0: That was amazing. Yeah. So Amy and I met at this this thing called Design Ranch that we're not going to tell you about because we don't want it to get sold out and we want to be able to go next time.
2: But <laughs> <laughs> you already have told everyone.
0: Yes.
1: <laughs> you just have to be. You have to be an instructor.
0: Oh, I could. Yeah. Put a yeah, put a cool word cool. in for me. I'll I'll teach knitting.
1: Okay. I'll tell them. It's too bad you can't do. You could do podcasting, but they don't let digital stuff happen. So.
0: No, no, no. I I can teach. I can teach easy knitting. <laughs>
2: I'll come over and teach. You know, really we could always use more people. <laughs>
0: so I met Ami at Design Ranch, like I said, and um, and he told me about this thing called Creative Mornings, and I've been to it a few times, and we've seen each other, but not spend a lot of time together. And so this is a really, a, really a treat for me. So one of the things that I kind of hopped in on at Design Ranch is Ami was an instructor, and what did you teach Ami? Uh, the
1: I called it an intro to Gonzo drawing.
0: Okay, yeah, and I
2: Ooh, think, and I think I, I th- love Gonzo, <laughs> and I think I even I do. Um, Ralph Steadman is one of my absolute all time favorite illustrators, oh, and well. uh, I have a collect. I have a whole row of Ralph Steadman books, and he was one of my absolute drawing uh, heroes with his pen and ink and his color. And I have a couple original um, lithographs of his work as well done by an art gallery, I suspect. Um, They're professional lithographs, they're not reproductions, but they're signed and numbered by him. And I bought them in London and I've, 30 years ago, and uh, I still haven't framed them and put them up actually. So uh, Gonzo is incredibly close to my heart. Well, so we'll get along, yeah.
0: Now that we're talking about it, and I'll tell you about my experience. We need to talk about me later. So you guys, tell me more about this because I am not familiar with Ralph Steadman. I'm not super familiar with this drawing. I've only seen Ami do this in person and I'm completely... Fascinated. In fact, pause for just a second. So, right now, he is actually drawing a new cover art for us as we're having this conversation. So, we're going to post, so like, if you follow us on Instagram, we'll post some of the videos and stuff like that. So, but this is really fun because this is like a little meta, like, in <laughs> talking about it while it's like happening, which I think is really amazing. So, Ami, maybe you could tell us more about it. Len can pop in. I'll ask questions however you want yeah. to do it.
1: So Gonzo, for those who don't know, not Gonzo from The Muppet Show, but the other Gonzo, right. uh, it was um, who I also like Gonzo from The Muppet Show, though. He's one of my favorites. Um, but it's kind of based on the idea of uh, Gonzo journalism, which is kind of, I don't know who invented it, but it was sort of coined by, um, I don't know if it was coined by or about about Hunter S. Thompson and the way he'd sort of go out on on um, assignment, but sort of become part of action in the story as opposed to like being a sort of casual observer, you know, or sort of a distant observer. Um and so in a bunch of these assignments in like the late 60s, early 70s, I think it was, he dragged Ralph Stedman along with him. And you know, Hunter S. Thompson, if people know about him, I won't go too much into him, but it's you know, it was quite of an experience. I think he described Ralph Stedman was this sort of mild manner. I don't know if he was mild mannered, but compared to Hunter Illustrator who got dragged along for this like crazy ride of sort of drinking and debauchery and whatever. And but the drawings, you know, they go to like Kentucky Derby or like, um, I think was it was at the Democratic National Convention. One, there's some drawings for some like a bunch of stuff in Las Vegas, like some sheriff's convention or something like that. And you know, Hunter's like tripping on acid and you know, all sorts of crazy shit's happening. And the drawings, when I remember the first seeing the drawings, the first time I saw his drawings actually was, I was in a comics class, I think in college, and the teacher brought in this book, which was called I, Leonardo, which was his rep- reproduction of Leonardo da Vinci's diaries. And it was just, it was one of those like sea change moments where you see something and it just like totally blows your mind. You're like, oh, wow, this is like a whole different thing.
2: I have that book and it's one of my hero books and yeah. being a Leonard. And, uh, also, uh, when I was a little boy, like really small, I made a business card called uh, Leonardo de de Metcalf. (laughs) I used to have that. So when that book came out and I grabbed a copy of it, I poured over it. And you know how I said I collected um, one of his, a couple of his lithographs. I actually have one of the illustrations from that book with the, the guy with the the really long hair. It's almost a, a, a Jesus sort of look, um, and the big table and he's it's an amazing absolutely amazing book isn't it um by yeah. leonardo
1: yeah it's really it's just it's crazy just like the way the motion and the lines and the representation and just like everything happening so and then i bought this the last second book i bought was called america and it was kind of a composite of a lot of these things he did with hunter s thompson and you know, they were very like rough and energetic, these drawings of like these sher the Sheriff's Convention in Las Vegas or like the Kentucky Derby with the horses and you know, and I just like blew my mind. And I had started in college, um, I had a teacher who had us do what were called four minute burns every day, which is basically just like drawing a square on a page and drawing for four minutes with a marker or a pen or whatever and then stopping and getting as much as you could down. So it's it's more of an exercise and like observing the world and creating a finished piece of art you know and enjoying the process of it so I started doing that a lot and I would ride the train all the time and I would just do it on the subway and I started drawing people on the subway all the time and inspired by all this like it was for me it was like kind of falling out what Ralph did is he would use a few lines to capture like the essence of these people or someone like Al Hirschfeld who I always really liked too if you guys are familiar with Al Hirschfeld they used to do a lot of stuff for the New Yorker and all this famous theater stuff in New York is like almost figuring out what's important about what I'm looking at and how can I capture it as quickly as possible, you know? Um, and so the speed and the energy of the drawing is kind of based upon like capturing things in real life in the real world. And like what would be happening would affect that. Like I would be on the subway and the subways bumping around and moving or it becomes crowded and it's cramped and all the, everything happening around me starts to affect the drawing, you know? And just learning how to draw a new way because you couldn't sit there and do your three-point perspective and your, you know, your perfect compositions. You kind of just captured the energy of the place as quickly as you possibly could before it went away. So I started, that's kind of the inspiration for Gonzo Drawings, kind of going out there and capturing and drawing and creating in, a, in, the, re, in the real world and in a way which captures what's important about what you see and what's important to you. So that's kind of what the origin of Gonzo Drawing is. And um, when I moved to Austin about twelve in 2011, obviously there's no train to ride anymore. So I just started going to see music a lot more, you know, because it's obviously music super accessible here. And I kind of brought that kind of vibe from from the subway to music, because, you know, especially with energetic bands, they're moving around. I'd go see bands like punk bands and I'd be in a pit and there'd be people landing on top of me, like I getting kicked in the head by a boot, you know, whatever it is, but you kind of use that energy to kind of in your creative process as opposed to trying to run away from it. So, so that's kind of the origin of Gonzo drawing is the idea of, of of drawing all the time in, in the real world and capturing the vibe of what's happening, you know? Um, and that's, that's, that's kind of the, the, the basic, basicness of it, you know?
0: How do you know, like, what you want to focus on? Or maybe you're not super focused, but like, how do you know what you want to create? I I don't even know how to put this into a question, but that's, that's my question. How do you know what to draw?
1: I mean, if if I'm out there doing it, not on assignment, just for myself, I think it just kind of calls to you, you know, it's like, you the ideas about it is adapting to what you what the situation is not going in with a set set of ideals it's like i'm not going to go in and say i'm going to capture this because that's what i want to do it's like what presents itself to you and that's like for instance i went to see like this was probably like 10 or 11 years ago i went to see iggy and the stooges at the mohawk like a small club like during the south by southwest and i started trying to draw him and you know you can't like he's non stop you know there's no pauses there's no whatever it's like non stop movement and so instead of trying to do a rendered drawing of him i just took out like a little pastel and just started doing like these like three minute these like sorry these like 30 second little quick gesture drawings of him and i ended up with like 15 of them and i just made a little animation out of them because i just i also like, oh, go this is all because i'm capturing his motion i'm not rendering his face or whatever but capturing the motion of him and I was like, I, I I have a background in animation too, so just threw them all together and that's what I ended up with, you know? Actually, I went to see, the other day, I went to see a band called, it's actually twice last weekend, because it was free week here in Austin. They had this band called Daikaiju, which is like this surf punk band. They all wear these Japanese masks. and But it's very much performance it, art as well. As, I mean, it, they start off on the stage kind of conventionally, but by halfway through... One guy's with the drum kit on the bar over here. And the other guy's like, you know, it's like, and then they bring in other bands who are playing that night and put them in the masks too. And they all start jamming. And I swear it must've just been people from the audience playing drums. I don't know what was going on. And it was just mayhem. And it was like, there wasn't any real way. I kind of just went with that. Like, you know, the, 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 I focused on the masks and those expressions and kind of moved out from there and kind of did quick lines and then did quick colors and, you know, and just went with what was presented to me as opposed to being like, I need to make this like this because that's not how I saw it, you know, and it, I could have tried to render it, you know, I don't know what would happen, but it wouldn't have had the feel that I was experiencing. It. I mean, And I actually now have two iPads for drawing. Sometimes I draw on paper and pen and markers and sometimes I bring some watercolor out and sometimes I draw on my iPad. Um But now I have two iPads. One's like my work iPad and now I have a second one, old one for it's my show iPad, so I was comfortable going into the pit, like, you know, with the iPad and just standing on the edge of the pit and drawing, and every once in a while, I had to put my elbow up and, like, you know, but you kind of went with that vibe, and at the end, they light shit on fire, and um, that that's what I was there to see, you know. It wasn't for me to tell it, tell it what to be like. It was for me to kind of experience it and just translate it through my lens as best I could, so I don't know if that makes sense. But um that's the kind of vibe that I was feeling,
0: yeah, absolutely it's- it's like super intuitive, you know like it it's it's one of those things that you practice over time being intuitive and then just doing the drawing without it almost sounds like there's no thinking in between, it's like you just feel something and then you draw it, also, I don't know who else has a concert show iPad. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I think I know at least one other person.
2: It's really interesting how it affects your your memory because you're you're playing with memory, I think. My favorite drawing was always the quick sketches and you know, you go to a drawing class and they start with um 30 second sketches and they keep you know, they start at 10 seconds and they get longer and longer till they get to an hour or something and at the hour one I switch off and I my work's terrible and my my favorite drawing experience was at a aerobics gym. So everyone's in front with a, with a teacher and they're doing repeating patterns, maybe 10 times. So they might do a star jump 10 times or they might lean over. And this is just for me, while I'm drawing, I've just got that little, little fraction of a memory and I'm trying to capture that as quickly as possible. And then it, it fades out. And that's when I know to stop drawing it and move on to the next one as as it fades out and I can't look back for another look. I just have to go with what came out at that moment. And the work I did in that particular environment was probably my best work ever because it was so quick and gestural. Um, It was capturing the gesture of the feeling and the movement rather than trying to capture absolutely every bit of the vibe, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah, and there's a certain honesty to that because, you know, there's no there's no fake in it. It's what it is, you know, in the moment, and that's what's really kind of nice about it. You know, that's it's the most natural extension of your eyeballs to your hands, you know, as opposed to, like, going back and saying, oh, no, it should look like this, you know? Um, and that's why when I do, like, the exercises, like, the class you taught, I was like, we're not going to do – we're not going – no one's going to bring a, a pencil or pen or – an iPad, actually, a class. We're going to draw with markers and and black ink and things like that because you make, you make strokes and you live with them, you know, because those are, A, like how I think the most honest things, and also it's like how you learn and develop yourself, you know, because you look at those things that are really true and quick, you know, and not, and make quote unquote mistakes, but I wouldn't call them that. Yeah, it's a, it's a very honest quick drawing. I love quick drawings, you know, and I love just, you know seeing people do them and they're generally it's I don't know if you remember we did like the blind contour drawings did you you, oh. you were my class
2: were you
0: well I was I was only there for part of it and then I had to leave for some reason um, oh, okay. I think maybe I was there for that I do remember the four squares though oh, yeah. I was there for that and if you've been listening to this podcast for a, a while you know I've con- not considered myself any kind of drawer at all <laughs> And you know, Ami, I told you this. I'm like, I I can't draw. I don't. I don't. I don't do
1: Everyone that. Everyone says that.
0: I know. I know. Yeah. And I still have that a little bit of that in me, but it's it's loosened. And I, I think I have memories of doing this stuff, and that's the work that has like loosened my brain because just even taking that short time and doing it, I'm like, oh, it doesn't have to look exactly. It can just be focused like on one kind of thing i could just focus on some shapes or some patterns a a lot of it i was actually translating to my own photography i love patterns and textures and uh so so that's really fun noticing in the same way the things that i was drawn to are the same kinds of things i'm drawn to when i'm doing you know photography Uh, the other really fun thing that we did was after dinner and th- there was this outside area that always had some music playing or whatever. And, um, and you uh, had this table set up with like paper and all kinds of drawing instruments, all kinds of stuff. And, and I just, wa- I remember sitting there and just like watching you for a while and I completely fascinated because it's happening so quickly and it's, it's, it's obviously so intuitive and the paper does not look like you wouldn't be able to look at a uh, one of your drawings. I'm describing this for the audience. You wouldn't be able to look at one of them and say, oh, this is exactly what was there. But you feel that it was there because it's like snippets. And I remember like getting some paper and going, okay, what what do I see? Like, what is intuitive for me? I've practiced this with my own photography. And so now how can I translate that feeling to, to sketching and doing some art and just kind of letting myself let go? Len, you'd be so proud of me if you watched me do this.
2: Oh, good. <laughs> of course I'm proud of you. Right.
0: Because it's like, just like releasing some of my thoughts about how it has to be and just kind of letting myself sketch. I think I sketched strong light bulbs and that was really fun. There's something really beautiful about almost skipping over the thinking part and going straight to like how it feels and what like captures your attention in that very short moment. And that that's super fun and freeing. I I just I love this whole I love the whole concept I actually I want to do it more I should I need to get out my my sketchbook
2: yeah but it, it is so much about the getting rid of the thinking and actually being the doing isn't it that's so much of the joy and when you were talking about gonzo drawing and having to be in the moment and taking in everything that's there that thought has to leave you because you have to get to the to the actual doing don't you so much
1: yeah i mean i think that's the that's what you really want to get to i, I tell people because they're so much they get so wrapped up in like this is you know if they're drawing like a teapot i always use a teapot i don't know why i say that because it's just, but I'm like oh I, I it doesn't look like a teapot you know it doesn't whatever and i'm like forget about what you think your brain tells you to look like just go completely brain dead And just like let your eyes go straight to your hands and bypass your brain. I mean, that's really what I want people to do, you know, is forget about what you think you're supposed to be and just let it be, because that's what people get wrapped up on, you know. Like, I can't draw a person, that's so hard, you know. But if you just put down what you see, then it's actually not hard at all, you know, because it is what it is, you know, it's an honest representation of what you're doing and what you're seeing and experiencing. And I think what I also tell people, the speed of it. It's like, you can do it for five minutes a day and you're doing it. You know, I think people get wrapped up in like, I want to be creative every day, but I need to have X, Y, and Z happen in order for that. I need to have my space and, you know, I need to have time and I need to have every, the world to be perfect for me to be able to sit down and create something. And I'm just like, well, that's just never going to happen. Probably, you know, unless you're independently well maybe someone dies and leaves you a billion dollars, you know? So, um, and you don't have any kids, you know, I mean, but normally that's not going to happen. So I'm like, hey, just keep this sketchbook on your desk. And when you have five minutes, just draw something. When you've, like, had it with the day or, like, someone's annoying you or you're waiting for your food to hit, whatever it is, or you're on a Zoom meeting and it's just boring the shit out of you, just draw, you know, for five minutes. And that's how you'll do it. And do that every day for five minutes. And that's all you really need to do. But, um, you know, that, that's, that's what's great about it, the speed and the immediacy of it is that you can do it anytime, anywhere, you know, and it doesn't have to be, people are like, I can't draw. I'm like, if you're doing it, you're doing it. I think 90% of any endeavor artistically is just doing it, you know, and that's what people get so wrapped up on, not doing it well or whatever, just actually putting pen to paper or whatever your medium and just do it.
0: Just you do know? it. I you think know? that's my, one of my problems is I don't have it accessible right now. Should I like g- go get it? Right.
1: <laughs> get it. Go get I actually it.
0: do keep it accessible, but it's not, um, it's almost like the out of sight, out of mind, you know, mm. where if it's not right there in front of me, like I forget. And um, and then I have that, I think I have those same thoughts, which is like, oh, I have to set aside time for it. And that's not true either at all. That I can what's fun about this kind of creating this way is you can just do it quickly in fact you can do a lot of creative work quickly like if you're a writer you can write a little bit you don't have to have hours on end set aside if you're a photographer like I actually do this uh in photography so if you are a photographer and you're listening I don't know what you do Lynn I like I like just um like if I see some interesting light I'll take a quick photo of it it's like a visual inventory and i'll I'll tell you I had my phone listening to an i uh, a podcast episode while I was taking a shower on like a little corner of my shower glass and the I have this square window and it was coming in the 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 light was like coming in sideways and it just created these really pretty lines and so I just grabbed wiped my hands off and grabbed my phone and leaned over the shower and took a photo. I feel like that's the same thing I like yeah. I like didn't even think about it. I just grabbed it and did it. So, um, that's, photo- that's still photography. I don't it like, doesn't have to be some sort of like fine art in the whatever, whatever museum.
1: No, I mean, that's, that's like about living, you know, creativity all the, you know, every day in your life, you know, which is, I feel like if, first of all, if everyone could do that. I think the world would be a lot saner and less chaotic place, you know, it's funny. Cause I, uh, you know, when you have kids, you'll go to the classroom remember in kindergarten and first grade and, you go to the classroom and there's these beautiful paintings all over the wall and you're just like wow these are so amazing they're so energetic and so colorful and so full of like you know amazing um ideas and just funny and observations and then by like third fourth fifth grade they're gone and you're like what did we what did we do to these kids you know like what what happened to them you know that beat this out of them. I mean, you know, the people who have to do it, who are obsessive, will just keep doing it. But for most people, you know, where does it go? And I think if there was a way to transition that, so you could retain some of that, everyone could retain some of that, whether it's doing those paintings or those drawings or playing the flute or, you know, playing guitar, whatever it is, I think, I don't know, I think just think the, the change in our society would be like monumental.
0: How did you know we were both flutists? Both Len and I play the flute. Actually. Oh really? Yes. <laughs>
2: That's a weird coincidence. I isn't know.
1: It? <laughs> you guys ever? Do you guys ever do like a duet on the podcast? No. A, du- a dueling flutes, maybe.
0: Why even? have we not done that, Len? Why not? Oh, well,
2: maybe because it's how long since I picked it up that oh. I have to practice. I suppose. But no, I no. used to play. I used to do a lot of duets with my sister, mm. and in performances, we're often. Um duets very much so. It's interesting how much of that is a forming a habit, isn't it? Mm -hmm. To have your art, your materials close to you, having them out, and knowing that you can just make make stuff at any time, and that it's worth doing, it becomes a habit to pick it up and go, oh, that's worth doing. Um, and and recording, and not to doing it for prosperity or some other reason but just because you love um, enjoying that moment and um, playing with it and turning it into something else or making something with it. I'm really out of my habit of writing at the moment and uh, getting back into the habit of doing it regularly is really hard and that you have that same thing like oh it's too big but really I just need to start with like a two sentences <laughs> and yeah. get into the habit of doing it every morning and every day and then it, it slowly becomes easier and easier and we get so caught up on the the final thing where it's actually the doing that's important isn't it it's yeah. the the doing is the moment of absolute joy that we want to concentrate on rather than the product or the finished uh, art object or the drawing or the the photo or the written piece it's a, a meditative practice of getting into that space whenever we possibly can we live and choose to live a creative life
1: yeah and i think that that's you can see the transformation in people you know when they do it too especially people who haven't done it a long time and they pick it up and there's this sort of look on people's face this kind of feeling that it comes over people when they can create even just for a few minutes that it, it changes the way They interact with other people. Um, You know, I do workshops sometimes and I'll have like corporate groups or whatever. And one person's in accounts payable. Other person's like a salesperson. One person's like the design director. And there's all these walls between them. And they're just kind of like, you know. And after five minutes, like just cutting paper and pasting it to something or whatever they're doing, it's like they're all of a sudden like best friends and like, you know, giving each other like, creative advice, and, like, you know, and there's this total, like, melting of, like, all this, like, bullshit that, like, existed before, even if it's a fleeting time, you know, and it's really nice to see, and, and one of the things I have, uh, you know, I, a lot of people, I'm sure, will have a lot of opinions about this, but with AI and all it's, all the things that have come to be from it, and when I see it, and obviously, I not obviously, but I, I don't love it in a lot of ways, but um, what the pro- biggest fear I have is not that it's going to take my job, you know, well, whatever. But I mean, is it's going to rob people from the experience of like the process of making something to your point, Lynn, of like taking five minutes and creating something that's not finished, but it's just the experience of doing it because everything comes out and it's like, I think it looks like fancy Trapper Keeper art, you know, I mean, be, you know, Trapper Keepers. <laughs> that's yes. A, that's a, so you
0: know, great.
1: A, but, um, <laughs> For, I don't know if everyone on your podcast knows what trapper keepers are, but for Gen X I people. I don't know. You have Look to it explain up. it to trapper. me. Look at trapper keeper? keeper. So every Gen Xer in at least America, when they were like in probably from second to sixth grade, had a trapper keeper, which is like a, you know, just a, a, a binder that they take to school, but it had like this very glossy art on it, you know? Um,
0: and one side folded over and you had to have the little things inside. They were expensive. I don't remember owning one.
2: <laughs> uh, with a zip around them or something. No,
0: if they just, I'll send you a photo then. Yeah, I'll, it was, I'll it send was, you a photo.
1: It, it was very much about the artwork they had on them. Was there? Yes. Anyway, so, so like, and and you start to think like, if people aren't making and creating and doing things, what does that do to? And you know, people aren't writing in a really raw way, and people aren't exploring mediums, you know, because everything is just like, oh, I'm just gonna add some prompts and, you know, I know I'm oversimplifying it, but um, what happens to, not just to people, but what happens to society if you stop making things, you know, that way?
2: I think that's happened to photography as well, that I flick through Instagram and I'm bombarded by perfection and um, this certain look in the art at the moment. And it feels, it's become through saturation into my life, Overly worked and finished and perfect, and uh, like personally, I have such a strong push away from it to make for individualism and to make stuff that is imperfect, but i it becomes a block for people entering it, doesn't it, that they look at that and go, "Well, that's what everyone else is doing, that's what I have to do, that's what I should be like, mm-hmm. and then they they try to do it, and they can't be like that. And the the real pure joy isn't making something like that. It's making work that is meaningful and interesting for you. And it's engaging and takes you off into that beautiful headspace of being a creative uh, without worrying about the quality and what everyone else is going to think about it or trying to fit in like everybody else. Yeah.
0: I just see the divide getting bigger between the digital, like, perfection-y AI space and then the space that's the complete opposite, which is almost like where you live, Ami, which is, like, we don't care about perfection. We care about the humanity of the work. I work with clients who are like, I want more time to create. Like, I want to be out there doing it, making stuff you know, on the regular, how do I get more time for that? And I think part of that is uh, at least that's some of my clients' problems, but I think that some of our problems is we got like so many things, including social media that kind of pull our attention away that like, how can we simplify things and get back to, and get back to actually creating and making stuff with our hands or like just doing the stuff. This is why I love this concept of gonzo drawing is because you can just grab a paper and pen a a paper and uh, like I was going to say pencil or pen or whatever you want actually and just making like doing quick sketching and it doesn't have to be perfect and it doesn't have to take a lot of time and I love being able to like infuse that creativity into the art and have it be part of our like collective humanity. That's the way I see art going right now is this imperfection. And I I love that. I mean our art has always been like that.
1: Yeah, for sure. And I think it's happening. I think people are re exploring those things. You know, as many people who are dabbling in AI and making this stuff, I see people going back and and, you know, and drawing and and exploring in the art supply store and and, you know and and painting with oils. I mean I work in the studio. There's people experimenting with all sorts of materials. I have a friend who runs this mosaic workshop. People get really into it. They come and they make mosaics and work with tiles, you know, and sometimes they work with set tiles. Sometimes they crack up ceramics and build their own thing, but they're very much, there's just very much this desire to do that. And even, and you know, this might be cliche, but even like how people have come back to vinyl, you know, a lot, you know, my kids, one of my sons, he buys a lot of records. He has a record player Sits and listens to the album as it was recorded and wrote, and like there sits with this like beautiful, perfect, and imperfect thing at once, as opposed to having to cater and create a playlist of everything that's exactly right that sounds digital and is all you know, he doesn't need to do that, he just sits and listens to a record. So, I think there's always the need and for people to do that and the desire to, so I'm not super worried about it, you know. Right. At least that part, you know, I mean, there's always the robots shooting off rockets and stuff. I don't know about that, but as far as the creativity thing, I think people, <laughs> as long as we're out there reminding people about it. Um, I, I went to, uh, I do like this work for UT sometimes where I'll go and they'll have these like visiting professionals do like a residency with the students and they'll come and they'll do some panels. They'll sit in some classes, they'll do some lunches. And I just follow them around and sketch things they say and, sketch the people and stuff and at the end I make like a big poster and there are a bunch of them hanging in the in the office commemorating each visit but um I was really encouraged this guy came from Adobe he works on the Adobe Firefly which is their AI product you know And Adobe they have a bunch of AI stuff built generative AI stuff built into like Photoshop and Illustrator now um and he was talking about it and you know as much as people talk about kids being, you know, Gen Xers like to say kids these days, you know, but like the kids were very much like, you know, they weren't being rude or, you know, luddites in any way, but they were just like, you know, questioning like, you know, the ideas. And there was a really good, robust discussion about is AI working for us? Is it what is? What are the, Where is it going? What's it doing? You know, like, and the same three with with the other like Web three technologies like blockchain stuff. They're really like we're. And, and, um, you know, virtual reality, they're really questioning like that experience and whether that's a good thing for us as people who are emerging kind of adults, you know, you know, and which I was really encouraged by that they were asking these questions and being really circumspect and, and again, and not completely rejecting things outright, but being thoughtful about it and being interested in, you know, what their creativity is going to be. So um, I still think there's, I think maybe, you know, it'll be, it'll kind of fall into the into our society, but hopefully in a way that becomes more utilitarian than taking taking over the, the idea of creativity. But you know, who knows?
0: I'm super hopeful for the next generation because if they're already as, asking those kinds of questions, like I was thinking, oh, we're just going to go all digital. But if they're already asking those kinds of questions, that's really amazing. Like they see the value of, of being human. And I don't know. I just love that they're actually questioning it versus going, okay yeah yeah this is the next great you know latest and greatest thing let's embrace it which they might be but they might also be doing it in a way that also embraces like who they are and and uh and how you know how they want to do things and and having things be imperfect wow i love imperfection so good len you want to say something
2: (laughs) well there's always the masses and then there's the ones that want to go against it and that's where the exciting bits happen isn't there? Uh, the ones that reject that celebrate humanity, I th- and I think that's a a growing thing rather than a shrinking thing. Like I think people are awakening as we progress along. Well, I'm hope well. Maybe that's my positivist attitude that I want that to be happening. So that's what I'm imagining. I'm seeing is as actually going along that we're actually getting somewhere and um, not all doom and gloom because it. Uh, it's very easy to get stuck in the pessimistic uh, view of the world isn't
1: it yeah i mean it's funny people are very doom and gloom these days but like i feel like most of the time people were doom and gloom you guys grew up in the 80s like it was all doom and gloom then you know nuclear war like every single every single movie was about like you know the post-apocalypse you had mad max and you had like you know everything was about like the end of the world and
0: Yo, I was watching Care Bears and playing outside. (laughs) It was, 80s were amazing. You didn't have a cell phone, so your mom didn't know where you were. (laughs) You could lie about where you were going (laughs) and they couldn't track you. No tracking. (laughs) Right? Oh my gosh. And that's true. I'm sorry I interrupted your train of thought. But yeah, I mean, there is a lot of doom and gloom, but there's also a lot of really beautiful things that come out of every generation.
2: I was uh, at that age so excited about changing the world and being caught up in a a new wave of environmentalism and and free love and change for a a better place and for a stronger community. And it's fascinating. My son is um, just about to hit 18 and he has the same enthusiasm. Like he's off to study law. He wants to change the world. He wants to do good things. Um he doesn't have a pessimistic attitude towards the future. He has that similar enthusiasm that I had in the eighties, and I thought um many people had and i I wonder if it's uh if it's always there or whether it is uh when things get particular hard like they have in the last few years uh there's a wave coming out of that of going, well, stuff that. Um, we're not going to accept that it's time to do something differently and let's change again. Yeah, for sure.
1: I mean, I think that's it's it's in our nature to do that, you know, which is, I think, our saving grace. And, you know, it's it's funny. People are so worried about the world. And sometimes I just, like, walk over. I, re- I used to walk over the Brooklyn Bridge a lot, you know, when I lived in, in Brooklyn, and I would just marvel at the Brooklyn Bridge. And I'm like, this is something that they built 150 years ago you know, and like, it's standing here today and carrying millions of cars a year. And like, and you look at, you can see the bolts and all the, the, you really look closely at the bolts and all the cables and you're like, man, you know, as much as like people are just don't have their shit together and are just like all over the place and whatever they built this. And, you know, that's amazing, you know, and it stands the test of time. So maybe, I don't know, there's hope for us yet. You know, even though the guy who built it basically died doing it, but you know, Besides that, besides that. It is perilous. <laughs> yes.
0: Um. Uh, Ami, I was wondering, um, as I have another podcast where I ask people, well, it's a photography podcast. I think I've talked about it on this one before. Um, but we talk about stories and experiences. And I'm always curious, like, has there been a favorite time that you've done some work that you've just thoroughly enjoyed or um or felt really meaningful or you just like had a blast doing it you just felt like high afterwards
1: <laughs> are you talking about like a period in my life or a very like specific like day it, either
0: either yeah a time that you did it or it could be a period of time and what were you doing I'm just so curious how how this like affects you personally because we're all passionate about our art and I want to hear about yours
1: uh, well I don't know I kind of I like doing things together with people you know like i think either having some sort of a group interaction is really where it becomes more fun you know and more satisfying like when i've done i I, i'll lead group art projects and that's pretty sad like seeing people creating and hoping that i was sort of a catalyst is probably the thing i like the most i would Mm. say just like that there's that like i've just seeing people, look I think I talked about before, their transformation in people when they come out and we create something together, I think is amazing. So those have probably been sort of the best things, or at least when somebody, something I've done actually had meant something to somebody, like unsolicited, when someone had said this affected me in this way. You know, um, out of the blue, you know, someone would say that to me. That is really amazing. You know, that's that's those are the things when you think that the work that you're doing is really having an effect on somebody or some people, you know, so I think, I don't know if I have a specific time or anything, but it's funny, every time I'll draw people and they'll, I'll, I'll turn around and I'll see them have made their, their uh, profile picture or something, the portrait I drew of them, so that's always kind of fun, but. I,
0: I was just talking to a portraitist and she said, it's amazing watching people come to life on my canvas and then seeing them see the work because there's something different that's even almost more real and alive than having like your photo taken. Um, and so seeing someone actually create you from their hand or their mind is I think there's something really magical about that. And so it doesn't have to be a pen or it doesn't have to be paint. It could even be a word description, but I I just think there's something incredible about that kind of creating people. And so I always love, like you've drawn me before <laughs> when we were at Design Ranch and I was like, Oh, that's a really fun rendering of me. And it was really fun to see like someone else's version of me. Like, what is it about me that they, that they can see that I, that I look like, or it could even be like something internal that I maybe didn't even notice before. And I think that's really fun. I think that's partly why people love it.
1: Yeah. Well, oh, actually I do have a, I have a, a, a time that I remember now. Um, so I went to a jazz fest last year in New Orleans. Um, and Len, like, you know, New Orleans is I think like a seven hour, eight hour drive from Austin. So we drove, me and my friend, we drove and we um stopped in Houston for dinner on the way. And went to this Vietnamese restaurant. We walk in and like, you know, the 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 host is kind sort of like, eh, go, you know, they whoever, you know, kinda of not paying me that much mind. And I sit down with my sketchbook and I start drawing and he sees me. And he comes over, and all of a sudden, he's, like, paying a lot of attention to me, you know, where he was kind of not paying any before. And he, like, takes out his phone, and he shows me this picture of, like, a painting. He just sees me drawing. This is the catalyst for it. I wasn't drawing him or whatever. He shows me this picture of his daughter's painting. And he starts asking me what I think about it. And she, she's talented and this and that and the other thing. And, it's, you know, a very personal thing. And then this other waiter comes over and he's looking at the stuff I'm drawing and he's like, starts talking to me and he's like, you know, I'm trying to get into social media and I'm trying to produce videos and telling me this whole story, you know. And then this other waiter comes over and he's like, I'm drawing him and he sees me drawing. He's like, he starts telling me about how he had just moved from Vietnam and how he felt good about being in Houston because he's gay and he was able to be open about that there. And he, something he couldn't do in, in Vietnam as easily and then how he wants to be a jazz singer and how he loves Louis Armstrong and Nina Simone and like all this stuff and it just and I was it, it wasn't even like about the art itself so much it was just the act of creating that brought all these people out and you know and interacted with me in a way they never would have otherwise ordinarily they would have served our food said hello and said goodbye and it was just like we get to interact with these people on a very personal level that you know i never would have otherwise and that was like for me it was like a really amazing experience as for, as for one and that happens a lot when you're out there creating art i think you know a lot of people come and talk to you and the and the interactions can become really interesting people open up you know in a way that they don't normally do you know it's, it's, it's a kind of like a Again, a magical transformation because of art you know that happens. It's really kind of
2: interesting.
0: were you going to say something, Lynn
2: I was thinking about what to say.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, I was thinking about you <laughs> I was thinking about oh. you and how you know you you photograph people and you photograph a lot of people, like I think about your dancers with trees and people making connections and I think a lot of what we all do, maybe this is the common thread between us all is we really love, I love personally the human connection. And if I can build that through whatever it is that I'm doing, I think that's really amazing. I think that's what, maybe that's part of creativity that or art that makes the world a better place is that it connects us in some way. But I really loved that Drawing was the catalyst for people to really open up. How interesting! You weren't even saying anything, Ami. You were just yeah. like sitting here. But you know, I have to say, like in general, because I've sat next to you while you're drawing, and you're not standoffish. You're like very open and come look at my come look. And you know, you you you're very free and with letting people like look over your shoulder and not trying to hide it. You're just like, hey, I'm doing this. This pen is actually just an extension of my hand already. So it's it's just doing what it's doing on its own, (laughs) which is kind of what I see. Like, I, I don't know if I've ever seen you without you drawing at some point because you're just always doing it. I think that's really fun.
1: Yeah. I mean, it annoys some people, but most people like it.
0: It's better than being on your phone.
1: (laughs) That's true. I think the the tricky thing is that is something that I think is a challenge a little bit is when you're in a relationship, you know, like, um, because people love it and they like the art and stuff, but sometimes I think it becomes, I don't know. I don't know how it feels because I haven't been on the other side of it, but I feel like that sometimes becomes, and maybe it's a challenge for artists in general and relationships, you know, but um, how do you make it accessible to your partner in what you're doing? And so it's something that you're sharing. It doesn't become a closed off part of you, you know, Um, because people like it, but then, you know, you, it's something you, put a lot of an unnatural amount of not unnatural but a unnatural for our society's amount of focus and time on, you know? And so I think in practice sometimes it's an interesting challenge. I don't know how you guys have interacted with that in your lives, but
0: uh there's a reason our podcast is called A Creative Affair because mm-hmm. I think a lot of people, including us, feel the same, which mm. is we're all just trying to have an affair with our creative work and also do the rest of our lives and relationships too. <laughs> so, so I love that we talked about that. Um, that's kind of where this title, like where the name came from is because we truly are all having this affair with our creative work and how do we include other people or, bring other people into it or whatever, you know, or balance balance the rest of our lives with the things that we do.
2: It's something I've always struggled with and with different people. And I seem to have my best relationships, um, friendships with people that actually have a an understanding, who are creatives in themselves, who have their own obsession and, uh, that like maybe co-creating or creating at the same time or being in the same mental space and and making art at the same time. And then when that isn't there, the disconnect just grows and grows until um, it often, because of my love of my art and my, my affair with my own art is so, so strong. It gets in the way with relationships with people that don't understand that or uh don't have their a uh, connection for themselves with something so obsessively that they live and breathe it uh, their whole life and uh it's been a very for me it's been a very, very long, hard road of relationships trying to find that balance in there um that i seem i feel like I've failed miserably for my whole life in actually <laughs> and never seem to have got that bit right, and it's something I actually ache for like I ache for an affair with someone that actually manages to get the creative side continuing beautifully, whether it's through like an artist-muse relationship or through a co-creation or through a, a, a collaborative um, partnership um, or, you know, a writer and an artist or a, a two artists that make art together or just want to be in the same space making the same sort of art. Um, not making identical art but
0: you need your you need your own Georgia and you want to be Stieglitz
2: (laughs) (laughs) that's right and I you know I love being in the bush like I could wander around taking photos of trees all day every day or um, meeting people and photographing them and uh, being quite social in that in that prospect but to live a life without the creativity and someone or a relationship that doesn't celebrate it or embrace it, and in some ways I think, and this happened particularly when I was younger, and I think I've learnt to let this go. But someone who worships it too, in a in not in a a royal way, but in a um, an authentic acknowledgement way of hey I understand that this is special for you and what you're doing is really really exciting and uh, you know what can I do to make to help you keep going like, yeah. uh, I, uh, that's my dream <laughs> whether I have applied that or not but I've always held that up as a some sort of a, a wish for a relationship.
0: I think I have that in some ways I mean like My husband's very supportive. He'll sometimes say, "Oh yeah, yeah, go off and do that," but sometimes he's like, "Do you have to? Could you just stay home?" Um, So, but he's like super supportive. It's it's been a journey though, because at sometimes I was very obsessive about it. What were you gonna say, Ami?
1: Oh, I was gonna say. I mean, I was just kind of. I was gonna say that um, the obsession part is an interesting point. Like, it's almost not even if it's art, but if you don't have something that you've ever been like so obsessed with and needed to have that feeling inside If I don't do this thing, it's, you know, I'm not going to be feel fulfilled or I'm not going to be able to, there's something I need to get out and it just has to do. Like if, if someone hasn't ever felt that, it's really a hard thing I think to understand, you know, because there's a different set of sort of priorities in life sometimes, you know, like whether your priority is, you know, being able to like relax and just feel content, you know, like, or whatever it is. I think sometimes that disconnect is really hard to bridge, you know, not having the feeling of like, I need to do this thing. Cause like, you need to do this thing. You need to do this thing. I need to do this thing. So not everyone has to do a thing. So when you spend that time and and energy on it, sometimes that is something I I guess people just can't really understand, you know? And, and when it becomes a, a difficulty because you're spending a lot of time on it, or it's like interfering your time together or whatever it is you know um or your 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 garage is a mess whatever the thing is then that's where it starts to like you know when that understanding isn't there it becomes something which is becomes difficult you know i've noticed at least a little bit
0: i think too it's scary for people too that don't have a thing that if they're exploring if they like want to Find something they're passionate about. I think sometimes it scares people. I haven't met a lot of people like that, but I think it can feel really scary. Like, what if I find the thing and it consumes me? Because I have this like obsessive personality. It's a good like I don't drink, so it's a good thing because I would be drunk or whatever. You know, like I, like try to stay away from all the things that would like suck me down in. <laughs> you know into the obsession and my husband knows that I'm kind of prone to getting obsessed about stuff he goes oh uh, I was working on something he's like oh I see you're obsessed about this now I will leave you a little alone and I was like oh great Now we get it you know but also we don't have little kids around anymore um but I do think it can be really scary to find that thing and I think there's a it's like almost like a longing that you if you've ever longed for something And you're not doing it or experiencing it and and you like want it so bad or you want to be doing the thing, then it's it's hard not to be or it's hard to find the balance between the the other things that you want to do in life and this kind of newish thing or something that you're really passionate about and how do you manage all of that? And so I'll say this about it, but I I think it's an art. I think the whole thing is an art. You're experimenting, you're, you go down into the obsession you're like, Oh, maybe that didn't work. And so let me try this other thing. You know, let me, let me, let me experiment with maybe um, doing it this amount of time or however, however it needs to be, you know, or maybe you have the conversation with your partner or whoever or Whatever it is, I, I just think it's all an art and and it's all personal to figure out how that works. But I do know it can like we don't have to go you know destroy. Uh, I don't think destroy. I think there's a lot of people that do amazing things that are very obsessive and it works for them, and I think that's amazing. It doesn't work for me, and so I'm always experimenting. How does this work?
2: I've always had problems with people getting jealous of my attention that they want that a bit of attention while I'm actually. Um, obsessed with the with the art making. Uh, that's I think is one of the things that's uh, caught us up in the past in relationships. If I'm being totally honest, how much of that is my problem for shutting people out when I am obsessed with things, or whether it's their problem for not giving me the space to do it? I'm not really a hundred percent sure on that one. It's definitely been problematic with my relationships. Not every relationships, but some of them along the way.
0: I did not know this is the direction this conversation would go. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, truly, it is, it can, all of this can really be sort of a struggle, but if we truly are like committed to something and we love it, then I think we're willing to put in the time and the work to figure it out and kind of, you know, figure out how it works for us.
2: It was interesting because last week we were also talking about a similar thing
0: you and I, in, in our last conversation, what did we talk about?
2: <laughs> we were talking about how you've changed from having a quite a strong direction of what an episode needs to look mm. like to, to being relaxed and allowing it to flow. And yet here we are talking about well, relationships, but really what we're talking about is, under all of this, is being creative. And the whole point of Gonzo in one respect is being in the moment and allowing it to flow to wherever it goes and following it as it as it sort of unfolds without having a clear direction and that's actually the beauty in in this type of drawing and in being an artist is not knowing what the outcome is going to be but to allow it to develop through the process of making it and uh, it's such a it's such a reoccurring theme in our discussions and uh, with people and with ourselves. And what we're promoting is that letting go of the outcome is really important. It's one of the biggest steps and to get out of your head and to actually be present and doing it in an environment where there's all this bumping going around and there's so much other stuff happening. I'm sure I'm convinced that the part of your brain is managing that at some level. And, uh, by managing that, it's actually freeing you up to be more intuitive because, uh, you, there's a tiny bit of you concentrating on what you have to do. It's like walking when you're talking, you talk more honestly and freely while you're actually doing something like walking or with your hands. So when people are chopping up bits of paper and gluing them together in a, in a group art exercise when they're talking during that moment there's a the walls come down and uh, you have more access to your intuitive comments so you're more honest with yourself you're more honest with your feelings you're more honest with all sorts of things and it's interesting that each of us has found ways of actually accessing this because we love it and we love being in that space so so much yeah are you guys are you guys sketching at all
0: no do i need to should I do it? I, I'll grab, I have some. Hang on, hang on, hang on.
2: <laughs> I was going to start processing some photos at one point, but um, maybe a sketchbook would be um much better.
0: No, I forgot. Ami, here's what I did in California. My mom gave, I, I talked about it on the podcast before, but my mom gave me some spending money. And so I went to the art shop and I was like, okay, I'm just going to use my intuition here and buy whatever it is that speaks to me because I didn't have any like real art supplies. So I got all of these here. I don't know if you could see them. Here look. Oh, they're water like crystals? watercolor. Yes. Yes. And I, love those. I was like, "Oh my gosh, and I need a little pad." And I got the tiniest little notepad. Look how tiny this is. It's Wait, the cutest.
1: Have you done something in it yet or not?
0: Yes, but I don't know where all my things are, so I will do a new one. And then and then I used um and then I was at the beach, so I used feathers mm-hmm. to dip in water and do the watercolor portion. That was
1: fun. Wow, feathers. That's some old <laughs> school shit.
0: Well, I didn't have anything else. And so, that, you that, know. All,
1: you know, it's it's fun to improvise. It's funny I tell people. I was hanging out with a friend of mine, and I was doing a drawing of him. And I, I wanted to do like a wash in the background. And I was drinking this coffee, and I just like poured the coffee onto the paper and just like used it as a wash. I've done that with ramen, too, like at the end of the, <laughs> the, the, the broth at the bottom of the bowl. I've done that at
0: too,
1: Ramen so. Tatsuya. Not Ramen. T- I don't eat pork, don't. so Ramen Tatsuya is not as fun. There used to be a place oh, called Daruma. I love it. Oh, I love that. place. Called Daruma Ramen on Sixth Street. Have you ever? Did you ever go there? That was no. good. I closed it down. Yeah, it's owned by Kome people, but uh, they had some really good, like chicken miso ramen, and mm-hmm. the end they'd be a the little broth in the bowl, and that's a fun place to draw too because there's all these like little figurines and stuff like that in in, in ramen places, you know. <laughs> So it's fun to draw those with like your, the broth from your, less of a broth from your ramen or a little soy sauce and wasabi mixture. <laughs> those are all good things.
0: Hey, hey y'all, pro tips. <laughs> well, I used, um, I was at the beach. So I'm like, what do I have here? Because they, the art shop gave me this cute, like cute little box so I could carry it easy. And then uh, I was like, well, what, how am I going to, get water. And so I went to, I used my finger partly like dipped in like sandy water. And so some of my little tiny drawings have like, um, s- little sand granules, you know, kind of dried on them. And, uh, so I'm destroying what comes into my head. This is fun. What are you doing, Len?
2: Um, I, I opened up my sketchbook and I looked at it and, uh, I've, Flicked through and I found thousands of words and no drawings, and I was feeling really embarrassed about that. And then one opened up, and I was like, "Oh, there's a drawing!" And um, I was so intimidated by it. I opened <laughs> Lightroom and um, got out some of my um. <laughs> you know, words are art too,
0: right? Are words not art too? Oh yeah, <laughs> right.
2: Very much so. Open
0: up, like I think you should open up your sketchbook and just take a pen and draw things around the words. That's my opinion, you know.
2: Ah, that's a good idea.
0: So this episode will already be out by the time this one comes out, and it's my conversation. I, Ami, mean, I went around to the art, uh, the Austin Studio Tour, and I chatted with like six different artists on the fly with my phone and a love mic, and this lady created this. She called it neuro. Oh, I can't remember. Nero something art where she just intuitively drew lines that that look they look like synapses and they were just all intuitive. And then afterwards, she just figured out how she wanted to connect them. It's it's very intuitive and it it kind of feels like you know what the brain would give you. It's very is really interesting. I loved it so much.
1: What was she painting it with?
0: Uh, she drew with a pen. I'm going to see if I can find my notes. But so she drew with a pen and then all of the lines would connect somewhere and she didn't like the harshness. And so she would create a connection, you know, somewhere. And I think she used watercolor to, uh, to color in some of it. I have a photo somewhere, but I'm not, I'm not quite sure where I got to find it. Neurographic art. So that's also very like really intuitive. You know, I think there's so much about art that's very intuitive and- i don't I don't think there's one way that's better than the other, but if you want to just have fun on the fly, I feel like this is a fun way
1: that's a, that's a good point though, about the better than each other. and I, I, I something that actually really bothers me kind of are like how much there's like a art contests and art sort of hierarchy these days, you know. Mm. there's so many like, you know, oh, the best of this, the best of that, you know, and like who did it better? And I'm just like, if people are doing it, and they're doing their own thing, like there isn't like a better or worse, you know, there's just different, you know, approaches and different visions. And that's kind of what makes it amazing, you know? So the the judgment, you know, I mean, I don't know if you guys apply to a lot of like public art projects or things like that, you know, but it's like, there's something like super frustrating and sort of the almost contest contest nature of it, competitive nature of art, you know, where I think art shouldn't be competitive per se at least not
2: in that way. I really struggle with art competitions and uh, I get asked to be a judge regularly. Yeah. And uh, it, it's interesting that I have to, have to sort of play with the two of them in my mind um, ethically. Uh, I really I'm not very good at entering them and I find them to be very same, same. And uh, it's like a, it's like social media. It creates a, it's, seems to create a mediocrity in what the public opinion is and what things should be. And yet then I'm actually really excited to go off and actually judge. And I I think part of that excitement is when I do it is I try to be against the grain as much as possible Mm -hmm. and, uh, to, I don't know, find, find artworks that really are different rather than perfect or ones that are incredibly emotive towards me. And, uh, I pursue it as a, what I'm looking for is which one moves me the best. So rather than, um, you know, a a list of 30 criteria, (laughs) it's uh, which one grabs my attention and which one do I want to keep looking at or which one do I actually want to have in my own home and uh, embrace the pure subjectivity of it and totally get rid of the objectivity. And when I'm standing there handing out the prize, I'm like, This is just my opinion, and I hope you all disagree with me (laughs) because that's what art should be, and it's not the best or anything. This is just who I wanted to give the prize to today. uh, I really struggle with it, uh, and I hate going in them. I I think I've been in one in the last four years, I think. And I know
0: which one. (laughs) (laughs) Same one I was in.
1: (laughs) Which one was that?
0: Uh, There's a new competition called the Natural Landscape Awards, and Mm -hmm. um, I haven't entered very many, but I like the principles of this one, and I've used it in the past to uh, curate my own work versus, like, try to beat everybody out, and Mm -hmm. so I only enter work that I personally love. I'm not trying to impress anybody, but it's kind of a catalyst for me to, like, do my own personal best work like whatever that means mm-hmm. this is really fun i'm licking my feather now <laughs> as one does
2: I, it was interesting because they offered a video um, discussion about the judging process only if um recently Or well, maybe it was a, a blog post and on analysis of that in my work i realized that my work had done so much better than i'd imagined in my head when i looked at my marks and cuz they gave you the marks and all those sort of things and it, it totally shifted me about the pain and the the disappointment i had actually in it and that's why i don't go in them cuz i don't want to have to keep going through that that terrible set of feelings each time
0: the emotions of not winning
2: yeah yeah <laughs> exactly
0: well, we all like to win all right here's what i got so far it's just a little crazy
2: wow that's amazing
0: <laughs> i don't even know what it is but i like color
1: yeah it looks great i kind of go into them whenever i d- do something like that it's mostly applying for um you know city projects and stuff i'm just like going with a, right. a lowest of low of expectations i'm like i'm not gonna fucking win this you know no way and then i usually <laughs> don't so it's like it goes so I, but you know i actually i was selected in the first round to do a uh, like a workshoppy thing at South by this year and I was like oh that was surprising that I got kind of made it that far so that was exciting but I didn't make the final cut but that little part was exciting for me that I made it like that cut for South by so maybe next year. So
0: he's talking about for anyone that doesn't know Austin is pretty famous for like our music festivals we have one in the fall called austin city limits and we also have one in the spring called south by southwest there's like a video portion and then a huge music week and anyway it's it's just huge and amazing and anyone who's anyone comes in so and and does it so it's it's, it's pretty awesome not gonna lie
1: yeah i mean for for music it's amazing
0: yeah Okay, I was gonna say something and I can't remember because I'm a little distracted by my art because I'm not as skilled as you are, Ami.
1: (laughs) Stop it! Yeah, I don't like to hear that.
0: All right. Okay. Wait here, let me. I'll I'll
1: read.
0: No, no, no. I just mean like I recognize that I have some limitations on being able to talk and do art, and that's remedied through practice, right? Oh, look! I I made some more. I did it more. Amazing! Yeah, it's beautiful. Isn't that fun? I'll take a little picture oh. of it and post it. Oh, here's what I was going to say. Uh, one of the things, uh, one of our podcasts from last year, and I'll link to it in these in the notes, um, we talked with um, Takis Walter, who uh, is the creator of Creative February. And so what I think we'll do is release this uh, at the end of January because we're recording on January 10th. We'll release this soon. And let this be your call to action for Creative February. Whatever it is that you're doing, how, how do you want to create in small, this is to our audience and to us, how do you want to make your February feel more creative? How can you create in small spaces? Uh, I'm going to be traveling. And so what I think I'm going to do is take my little pad of paper and my watercolor crayons and I'll just do one every day. So that's what I'm, this is, this is what I'm going to do because this tests my limits. I can photograph every day. Like that doesn't feel like a stretch for me, but actually putting the, you know, doing something that feels a little different. That's a little bit like cross training that helps me think in new ways is just like really important for me to expand my vision. And so I'm going to be, I'll, I'll do stuff like this. I'm going to do, I'll do one of these every day or as many days as I can in February, as much as I can. I could squeeze in five minutes.
1: What I think is really fun is, is like when you do have that daily practice of drawing your sketchbooks and, and kind of putting your ideas down each day is like taking a, a moment like the end of the month or whenever it is and just like going back through it all and like remembering how those things made you feel when you were doing them. I think it's an amazing experience too. It's like it doesn't have to just go into the book and you forget about it. It's like it lives with you for a long time, you know, and it, it can mean so much. I do it. I'll sometimes just, especially when I'm cleaning up my house, I'll, like, basically, I'll waste a lot of time in the middle of the cleaning process by just, like, throwing all my sketchbooks on my bed and just, like, start thumbing through them all. I'm like, oh, I remember this. Oh, this is a good idea. Oh, yo, I loved this moment, you know, and this person, whatever it was. And so, when you do that, I think, too, one of the pluses is not just in the moment, that's a great part of it, but just, like, having that moment for posterity in your own particular way, you know, and capturing those moments you know whether it's abstract or whether it's literal you know whether it's words that you know that mean something specific you know just a note or whatever or if it's something abstract just remembering that feeling is is the way it brings you back is really amazing too i love i love that aspect of just drawing every day and keeping a sketchbook a sketchbooks i think are the best thing in the world you know it's like is it becomes this precious composite depository of like so much, you know, and like in a way that almost nothing else does, like I'll have a lot of loose drawings and stuff and that's great. But when the sketchbook itself is almost bigger than, you know, the, what is it? The sum of its parts, you know, it just becomes something completely special. So I, I think the idea of keeping a sketchbook is is like for any kind of artist whether or writer or whoever, or if you're just doing all these things, there's just like, it's like the best. It's a, the oldest vehicle, and it's like the best vehicle to continue to have and use. You know, so
2: do you have a huge shelf of them all, all the way back?
1: Oh, oh yeah, I got a ton of them. I used to draw in like little ones, especially when I was in New York on the train. I'd have something I could probably either put in my pocket or something. So I have all these little ones, and then I went through a phase of like huge sketch pads that I would keep too, and so I have them in all sizes and. And a lot of them will have like little notes in the back or just like where I wrote down phone numbers or, you know, I'll find like all sorts of fun things that are inserted into them too. So they're the best. I love sketchbooks. So yeah, all you kids out there, that's what you should get for Christmas or (laughs) Hanukkah or your birthday, whatever, you know, go out and get one.
0: Just go get one. You don't need a special occasion.
1: (laughs) No, just get it now. We
0: give you permission.
2: I have a whole, I have a couple of rows of sketchbooks and I'm always buying more of them and people are giving them to me and I have them for my dreams. I have one sitting next to my computer. I have ones that I take just to workshops to to make notes in. Mm -hmm. And then the drawing ones, they're interspersed with bits glued in there and bits of writing and then lots of drawings. But I actually, um, To be honest, now that I'm sitting here listening to that, I was like, oh, I wish I drew all my drawing class drawings into sketchbooks when I was young. And because I did a whole lot on separate sheets, and there's some rolled up under the bed, there's some in the plain cabinet, and they're not on the shelf in the sketchbooks. And I'm like, oh, that was a missed opportunity. Um, Because as single sheets, it's a very, very different experience than pulling off this book off the shelf and wandering through it because it's, it's just so magical, isn't it, to remember? Yes. Uh what you did, uh, it feels like a lifetime ago. It's amazing. Yeah, I mean, you
1: could take them and cut them up and paste them in there. That'd be a fun project oh, for a Saturday. I could. Saturday afternoon.
0: That's right. There you go, Len. You could paste Well, that's in. right. And my uh
2: Lightroom catalog has become my sketchbook. Like uh, I I now I use my phone to take screenshots of words even or writing or I I take photographs to put into this never-ending pile of images uh, that's in many senses is my sketchbook of my life whether it's leaning out the bath as you're saying or the shower to take a photo of a, a bit of mist in the window or the light streaming through something that just captures your attention and you want to Um, experiment and play with and um, not necessarily intentionally look at in the future but somehow you bump back into that memory later and it's beautiful. I have everything synced so they all end up in one spot now and I stopped doing that because of how much I was amassing there and that scared me and then I actually had another breakthrough went oh well actually that's really good to have it all in one spot because I can use uh, randomness to explore it like the sketchbook. So you can just walk up and just pick one off the wall and, and almost randomly open it and start exploring back into your life. Yes. I can do that digitally as well. Um, with so much excitement.
0: This is giving me ideas. I've recently decided that I want to do more art with an A.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, I'm not saying photography is an art, but I want to use my, Prints to do things with. And so I think I'm going to, I, I got to grab my sketchbook and start um drawing some ideas. So this is so great. <laughs> I love these conversations because I get a lot out of them.
1: What's fun too is taking all that stuff and, and start like printing and cutting up. I think your point is to cut out and see what happens when you can start to break apart the shapes and put them back together. And, you know, there's a lot of things that can happen there.
0: How did you know that's what I'm thinking about doing? Cause well, I'm psychic.
2: <laughs> it's interesting because I'd made that the decision to make my next exercise for uh, in the artist club um, exercises to cut up things with a pair of scissors and glue them back together and mm. um, as multiples and a bit like Edward Scissorhands there, but uh, it was interesting where that that only came up two days ago. It was the thing, and I've been thinking oh, I better write that up before I forget it and. Thank you for reminding me. Yeah, you'll write that <laughs> up
0: when we're done <laughs> today. Yeah,
2: it'll go straight <laughs> in there.
0: Mine mine's gonna be more tearing, but we'll we'll see. We'll see what happens. I wanna do big things so it'll be fun. I don't I don't quite know. I I just have ideas swirling in my head. What?
1: Do you have a big space? Do you have a space to work in? Or is it a kitchen table?
0: No, I I have a space. I had to clean it, but I have a space. It's getting clean. <laughs> that's part of balancing my life is cleaning up after I trashed it over Christmas. So uh, yeah, I do have a space to work in. So it's really great. Now that um my kids that some of my kids have left home, I can take over their spaces. So so it's good.
1: That was the great thing about moving out of New York was like the garage, you know, like I never had a garage growing up and I'm like, wow, a garage and people are like park their cars in the garage. And I just don't understand that at all. I'm like, why would you park your car in your garage? There's, that's what outside is for. It doesn't get cold here that often. Like, why are you parking your car inside? Such a waste.
2: Well, you'll be pleased to know I'm sitting in a garage and um, <laughs> that's my studio. I call it the studio. Yeah, yeah. It's also my library. It's my recording studio as well, but it's my art making space. And sometimes it's a teaching space and it's my little cave uh, and it's all um blacked out so it's nice and dark in here and i can just turn a light on whatever i'm doing and concentrate on what it is i'm focusing on right now and uh, the last few days i've been cranking up the music in here which is something i haven't done very much in the last few years because i was i was noticing how much it was influencing my work and i wasn't really happy with that but that's now shifted where it's uh, i've let it become black background and um Just get on with what I'm actually doing and not worry about it. I love my garage.
1: What do you listen to? Oh,
2: I made a big collection of Talking Heads uh, this week. And I put every one of their albums in one big folder and then I put it on random. And uh, there's multiple songs in there the same because it's on repeating albums and best of albums as well. There's enough in there to play it for a couple of days and not get bored, I think. (laughs) And it takes me back. The reason that I was feeling about them in particular is it's an art school band yeah. that they formed in art school and uh, I just absolutely love their um, performances and uh, how they turned or brought art into their music with slides and, you know, dress-ups and uh, going back. Was it the 80s, I think, or very much so? Yeah, we're going back to the 80s again.
0: So we've been talking for like an hour and a half. I think we should all. I I th- I feel like this has really come full circle and drawing. Yeah, I know. Yes. And we've been drawing. So this has been a really amazing conversation, Ami. Thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, thank and you for having
1: me. I appreciate it. It's just really fun taking
0: the time. Yeah, isn't it fun? I we love doing this and um and talking about so many different ideas about creativity. And then I think this is the first time we've like created on the actual episode maybe we should do that more
1: yeah make that your 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 thing your, right. your new thing
0: right right we'll, we'll bring yeah, our flutes at, next time at the end
1: of the year you have like a show of all the art created on your on your podcast
0: oh there no you one, go i
1: don't i don't know that anyone's done that well, not that i know but you know i'm sure maybe they. Have, actually but. do
0: know a girl i do know a girl she has like an improvisation podcast and they and they do that and it's fun so <laughs> it's awesome. Well, Len, do you have, do you have anything you want to say?
2: I want to th- say, say thank you for, um, showing myself to myself and through your eyes. And I know I love that. And it's interesting. Some of the things you picked up on and I'm looking forward to having a closer look and it's been a pleasure to meet you. You too, man. And, uh, have this conversation and uh, I want to wish you well. And, uh, you Know one day, I hope we meet in person and uh, I get to wander through some of these sketchbooks in your house there and uh, find out a little bit more about your art and who you are. I think that's would be a really exciting journey and uh, talk, uh, talk a bit more.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, it's great to meet another Ralph Stedman fan too. That's there's a bunch of us out there, and when we connect, it's really always an amazing thing.
2: Oh, one of the things is that um, there's a movie, isn't there? And uh, uh with uh, um I don't know, Johnny be... Depp is in it, maybe. Oh, yeah. and um oh, it's Ralph Steedman and Hunter S. Thompson on their trip to Vegas oh, the, or something. Fear and loathing, Las Vegas Fear and loathing yeah. in Las Vegas. Yes. Yeah, based on the yeah. book,
1: yeah, yeah. Me and my friend have been toying with this project about going on the road and that that kind of trip to New Orleans was a little bit of like a proof of concept of going on the road and connecting people with art and see how that could happen and what kind of either what I can create or other you know, inspire other people to create as well. And um, so, uh, yeah, the idea of being out there and I think for me, it's out, the idea of being out there amongst people creating and inspiring them to create or ha- seeing what they're creating is probably like the best case scenario of like the creative life I want to live, you know, that's why I like music I think so much because you're actually observing other people's pure creations and pure like forms of you know expression and it's it's really I, sometimes when I draw somebody who's a performer I, I get to know a lot of the performers but it, sometimes I feel more connected when they're I'm looking at them drawing them then sometimes it's hard to have a conversation with them even sometimes and this is like sometimes the purest form of connection with them you know so anyway I could talk about that for a while but yeah
0: I um, love it no I love yeah. it <laughs> I think that's the thing is back to the creative affair part is we can all talk about what we're passionate about for so long. And that's what makes these kind of conversations really beautiful. And Ami, I just really appreciate you sharing what you're passionate about. And thank you for being my sort of new friend from last year. I like, I can't wait to see you more.
1: You're welcome. Well, hopefully I'll see you at Creative Mornings.
0: Yes. Uh, yes. I'm going to put it on my calendar and um, I'll just say last, thank you for inspiring me. And y'all, I hope in, Ami inspired you to go and just create every day little bits. Yes. Good. I just
2: suddenly opened my, um, my journal, my diary, my sketchbook and started writing. So thank you for the idea there. You're That's welcome. inspired me for thinking about interviewing uh, interviews and um, interacting with people. And I'm like, Oh, there's something there. Cause I'm, it's one of my little obsessions at the moment is figuring out um, interviews, but thank you, thank
0: you guys. We can't say bye, so we're just gonna fade out into oblivion.
1: <laughs> well, it's funny. I do a, I just okay. I do a monthly um, Zoom call with my family cause, and and not a monthly, weekly one because my my brother lives in my Prague, my mom's in New York, my dad is in Israel, my other brothers, my they're all over the place, you know. And, um, you know, and, and what's funny is that we can always end the, those things well, because I do it on Google Meets, and it cuts you off after an hour. So it's a good way to kind of like finish things, because you're just like, we're talking, we're talking, <laughs> and it's like, boom, it's over. There's no there's boom, no negotiating over. or anything. <laughs> yeah.
0: Hey, real quick. Do you do any sort of workshops or anything online? Um, We're going to put links to how to find you and your work in our episode description, but uh, tell us like how we can find you or if there's anything that uh, people might be interested in.
1: Yeah. I mean, the best way to really find me is on Instagram. It's where I'm most active at Amirock 73, A-M-I-R-O-C-K-S 73. Uh, My website is gonzoviz, G O N Z O V I Z com. I have some a lot of work up there as well. That's some of my more corporate work and then some of my just fun work as well. And um, I do do workshops. I don't have any scheduled right now. I was talking about doing something in the spring. So I'll definitely. But if you sign up, go to my website and sign up for my newsletter or follow me on Instagram. I always post about that stuff and send out emails about it. So you can always find out more there. So hopefully I'll be doing more soon because I like to do them. I just I've been kind of crazy. So I did a couple in the fall, which were great. So hopefully the springtime we'll do some new as well.
0: It's been the holidays. And uh, yeah, yeah, go follow Ami because he posts really fun stuff. It's so fun to like go to your Instagram. So it makes me so happy. <laughs> All right, everyone. Thanks, Ami. All right, guys. Thanks, Lynn. Thank you
2: guys. Bye. Bye. Bye.
0: Thank you for joining us in our Creative Affair. If you love the passion we bring to this creative content, please support the podcast by sharing with a friend, subscribing, and leaving us a review. To find out more about Len, including his photography, Len's journal, an inspiring quarterly publication, tours, workshops, and his new art school, the Artist Club, visit lenmetcalf.com. For more about me, Bree Stockwell, visit creativemindscoach.com. There you can subscribe to my Monday Motivation emails, learn more about creative coaching, check out my online portfolio and access searchable transcripts of these episodes. See you next time.